Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I am very humbled to be sharing my next guest with you for uh, a lot of reasons that you're going to learn later, but I want to introduce a, a wonderful woman named Teresa Wilson Flores. And she is a warrior, a vigilante, an advocate, and we're going to get to her story. But I just want to say thank you so much, Teresa, for being on. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for doing this. So we're going to get to a little of the calm before the storm. So we're going to reminisce a little bit about what it was like when you were growing up. You mentioned your dad worked at General Electric. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you moved around a lot. So those young formative years, like where a lot of us went and rode our bikes for candy or did sleepovers, did you have any of that neighborhood-like experience when you were young before you moved to Michigan and when you were 15? Yeah, but again, it only lasted for two years because we moved every two years. So, so almost like military family. Yeah, a lot like that. Yeah, so we lived in we lived in Indiana mostly. And then we're in Southern Indiana and then moved up to Flushing. Oh, and so, so we're kind of, we're in the country more, okay. um, but still, you know, did the bike riding and sleepovers and roller skating. Oh, good. Um, okay. Yeah. So you did have all yeah. of that, even though it was short lived. Was it? Yes. Did you get in a rhythm of knowing how to make new friends or was it always difficult yeah. every time? Okay. No, you have to, like, you have to like, just dive right in and Um, I learned that pretty fast, especially being a girl. Like I think it was different for my brothers because of sports and stuff. So, but definitely dove in, but was still kind of, I think shy in the back row, you know, because I was always the new girl and just waiting for some people to like, like me and like bring them into their group, you know? Yeah. 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 And do you know, a lot of schools, I, they did this with us. I don't know if they did this with you, but they always make you stand up in class. Oh, I I always felt so bad. Like nothing like singling somebody out who's nervous anyway. Yeah. You know, did you have to do that? Definitely. Like, oh, here's the new girl. Introduce her to everybody. But luckily my name, my last name was Wilson. So I was at the end of the line. So I did, I had, you know, didn't have to go first on anything. So that was good. That's that's true. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Were you involved in any kind of like Girl Scouts or anything? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I did 4-H because, uh, like I said, oh, we yes, lived in the country. Yeah, and um, did Girl Scouts for a long time. And what else did we do? I rode horses competitively, so things like that. But again, like you'd be in a club for two years or a year and mm-hmm. a half, and then you'd move and have to find a new one. So um, it, that wasn't even easy. Yeah. Oh, but I will say I envied. I thought it was so cool the kids that were in 4-H club. Yeah. Like, 
you know, I always wanted to live on a farm. I didn't want to do any of the work, but I wanted to (laughs) sit on my porch with lemonade. (laughs) Yeah. Homemade lemonade, right? (laughs) Right. right. Yeah. A great way to live. What a cool uh, background. What was your musical influence then? Because you weren't close to concert venues per se, I would imagine. Not at all. Gosh, I didn't go to a concert until I was in college for the first time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, just more probably just like the, what we call now the top 40. Um, I okay. really liked a lot of folk type music, the Carpenters, you know, oh. like the Air Supply and Journey and just, yes. you know, the same thing, you know, played them over and over and over on my record player. So. I know. And I was just talking about yeah. with my, my last guest, I read the album cover, like it was part of the listening process. Like right. those words were never going to change, that. but I would turn yeah. it over. I would look at the, yeah. you know, lyrics. I mean, it was just, I sat in a beanbag chair. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and and listened to them that way. Yeah. Carol King Tapestry was one of my oh. favorite yeah. albums. That's cool. Uh, and I loved Air Supply. I'm a whole lot of oh, yes. love. <laughs> yes. They sing higher <laughs> than I can sing. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> well, I think it's great that despite all the moving around that you did, mm-hmm. it had to mature you in a way that a lot of us were never used to or have had experience. Sure. And then you came to Birmingham in ninth grade. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We, we think it was the Berkshire, right? And so you were on the cusp of being yeah. that last ninth grade class because yep. when I went to Groves, you're 83, I'm 84. I went with the ninth graders. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of felt like even that much more cool because I wasn't yeah. so new. Well, what stunk for me was I was in the high school in Flushing. So into Flushing High School outside of Flint. And I was in ninth grade and I was in the high school. And then in the middle of the year, we moved to Birmingham. And now all of a sudden I'm back in the junior high. And I'm like, oh, that really stunk. Oh. Ugh. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and and did your family ever, like, wonder? Like, I mean, I'm sure your dad had a great career that provided yeah. you such a nice livelihood. But, like, yeah. Did you ever sit down and talk about, like, is this okay? Do you mind us moving? I know it really wasn't your choice, but my gosh. That's really funny. No, of course. We didn't have any, like, say in it. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No family meeting. It's like, pack no, up, we're going. Exactly. Yeah. No oh, my meeting. gosh. Where were your parents yeah. originally from? Uh, my mom's from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and okay. my dad was from Akron, Ohio. Okay. Okay. So yeah. all those Midwest. Midwest. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it is. I, I know I'll have to talk about your TED talk, but I noticed you kept okay. saying pop and I oh, yeah. am now in Florida. So I had to convert to soda. Oh gosh. And then yeah. there's Texas, which is Coke, you know, regardless. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> those things are funny when I, when I hear them again. Yeah. So we're going to move to, to Groves and you were there for how many years? Cause you graduated in a different high school. Yeah. You know, like that ninth grade weird thing. Um, yeah. The first, and then 10th grade and 11th grade. So okay. we moved the summer. Okay. You really were two years. Gee. Yeah. It, always two years. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So where'd you graduate then finally? So we moved the summer of, what would that be? Like 82, right? Okay. Yeah. 82. Okay. So I had just finished my junior year and we moved to Stratford, Connecticut uh, and so oh. I went to a high school there for one year and graduated. So, oh my gosh. so I don't get to go to their alum, their like reunions either. Cause I don't know that many, I was in the band and stuff there, but like, you know, it's just weird for me, this in between land where, yeah. you know, 
I don't remember a lot of people, you know, from Groves and then I don't really feel connected with people from Bunnell. And so, yeah, it's, it's weird. I would imagine. And, you know, Connecticut had to have been the biggest change because that's yes. its own little, little oh, world it, there too. Like yeah. wise. Oh yeah. And like, they don't say pop. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to them, I had this Southern accent and, uh, you know, but you know what? I, I can't complain about it because it was so beautiful and it was like, got me far, far away from, yes. from Michigan. And so uh-huh. it was like my little redemption time. So I loved it. That's probably mm-hmm. very true. We're going to, yeah. we're going to talk about that, but that's really, yeah, it wouldn't have benefited if you went from Birmingham to Flint anyway, you'd still be in this <laughs> no. state that you didn't Correct. Be in. Yeah. And did you go to college? I did. Um, because my grade, cause I had taken like my SATs when I was at Groves and stuff. And obviously I did so poorly because of everything that was going on. Once I moved to Connecticut, my grades took off and I did great. But um, because my SAT scores were so low, it was really hard to get into college. And um, so I found one college in Connecticut that accepted me on probation. And then I just excelled. And Mm. then my parents moved again. And so I I moved to Indiana um, after two years of college there and then finished off in Connecticut, in Indiana at Ball State. Oh yeah. Okay. Ball State. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I relate to the final year because I, well, my son came, we moved from Michigan to Florida. Uh um, And when he was in eighth grade, ninth grade, but in Florida, it's so transient. So Mm, there is no, like, it wasn't even like he was coming into friends that had been there forever. Mm-hmm. Everyone was strangers. Yeah. You know, everyone was moving from New York or, you mm, know, coming in. So, he, I mean, he has good friends now, but at the, it was weird for me at the time because huh. it was like the connections were so strange because everybody was yeah. coming in for their first time, you know, right. going to Florida. And I like that though still- because it kind of makes the, the clears the ground. Like it does. You know, there's because no clicks. There's, you know, there's so no. many, right. There's no clicks. You got the girls that know each other since, you know, kindergarten. And, and yeah. I never had that. So I think yeah. that'd be better. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but I need to say, attention all alumni. Are you ready to relive the glory days and reunite with your classmates? Look no further than myevent.com, the ultimate destination for planning unforgettable class reunions. With myevent.com, you're in control. Upload photos, upload event details, and connect with your classmates. Spread the word on social media and watch the excitement grow. Myevent.com brings your past, present, and future together in one unforgettable event. Start planning your class reunion now. MyEvent.com. Your reunion, your way. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, we're going to, um, do you have any water by you or anything? We're going to take a sip and just get get ready here, girl. So um, I already am in love with Teresa for a lot of reasons, but her strength and her willingness to have this open forum on the podcast is something that I know I will remember for forever. So I did know Teresa's story. She is an advocate and a speaker, like I mentioned, and um, I had been trying to, to, to find her. So that's why it's interesting. We're using mm-hmm. Teresa Wilson. Cause I, I only know her online as Teresa Flores. And am I saying mm-hmm. that correctly? Yep. Yep. Okay. Cause it's fancy where I began my research with you was a Ted talk that I will leave on at least Facebook for sure. And any other mm-hmm. social media that takes a link, but in 2011, you did a Ted talk and I knew the story, but it helped me get to know you as a person 
and yeah. answered some questions that I was kind of thinking about anyway. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, um, I'm going to let you share your story, but one of the things that you did answer right away was this lifestyle of moving around every two years. Mm -hmm. And so my first thing was like, how come you didn't have anybody to help mm -hmm. and support you? And so knowing right away that you said you moved every two years, yeah. number one, you know, that broke my my heart because mm -hmm. you know I would have wanted somebody to to be your savior in some and to think of a better word it makes sense that that's also an appropriate target right absolutely that's what made me vulnerable correct and so yeah. then it all made sense it was like okay that storyline fits in perfectly of why you were suited for 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 what happened. So mm -hmm. I just think t the TED Talk is a really good way to kind of start the story. Sure. Um, if you're okay with that. Yeah. And how did that even come about? Like, did you <laughs> uh, reach out to them with your story? And No, they found me. Um, it's been amazing, Leanne, since I started this. And I had just turned 40. And it just all clicked that what happened to me was called human trafficking. I went to a, a conference and I never knew a, a word, a term to, to use for what happened back then. And, um, at that moment I was like, I've, I need to raise awareness because I have children that are the same age as I was when it first started. And so I just started, you know, sharing my story and, and things just came to me like, Oh, we'd like you to do this. We'd like you to do that. What about writing a book? I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, I, so I really sought out opportunities that came about me, which to me is a God thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we grew up in a very mm -hmm. privileged school system, I think. Yes, we did. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole part about human trafficking is how can that possibly happen <laughs> in an area like ours? Yeah. And it can, number one. And number two, I've <clears throat> always felt this way when you are in an automotive industry mm -hmm. and you have a lot of senior executives and you have a lot right. of parties that people aren't even aware of. Yeah. And so while we admire that part of Detroit's history, it's, it's thick with mm -hmm. lies and deception and stories that none of us, there's a darkness to that yeah. lifestyle that, that nobody knows. But yours was student to student specific. Right. And do you want to talk about the crush and start there? Sure. with? Because we've yeah. all had it and we've all been there. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting about Groves was that it was very diverse. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I assume that it's still that way today. I don't know. You know, first time I've been around Jewish kids and Chaldeans and, you know, just, you know, and getting offered like the Jewish holidays. We used to have school holidays on those, you know, the Jewish right. holidays. Like, what is this? So um, I loved it. I just thought it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to. I called it like the fast pace because I'd always lived in the country. So, yeah. Um, and I'd always been the richest kid. So now all of a sudden I'm not the richest because it's like you said, everybody's just about as privileged that go there. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so keeping up with the Joneses and wanting everything that all the other girls had was kind of tough. Um, so um, got a crush on this one guy who was very different. I wasn't, you know, like I said, used to some of these different cultures and the clique that I was in, I call it the B clique. We weren't the popular girls, but we were like kind of the next level down. They were just like, you know, you, you probably don't want to be with this guy. And which of course made me want him even more. I mean, I and, know it's rough when you're that young. It's yeah, so stupid, but it's what yeah, we do, you know? Yeah. yeah. And my parents were really strict. So Irish Catholic, you know, I'm yep. the only girl. 
couldn't date until I was 16 and that I had to have my driver's license and just, you know, all these requirements. And so six months, you know, we just talked to each other. He worked in the student store there selling pencils and erasers and was in a couple classes of mine. So he was the same grade as I was, but I think that he was maybe a year or two older. And then oh. two of his cousins also were, they were a year ahead of us and they were there as well. So, and then they went to church at the same church, St. Ives as well. So it was, gosh, my sophomore year of school now, uh, February, I was on the track team at Groves and we were practicing in the gym and I needed to get something from my locker. And I ran to my locker and he was standing by it and just said, Hey, would you like a ride home from school? And so, you know, I'm pretty naive and, you know, and, and, so and it's excited. a boy, it's you know? a boy, it's a cute boy. And right. so we went out to his car. I'm like, sure. Ditch track practice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not a date, right? Like, so, uh, he had a Trans Am. I remember that distinctly mm-hmm. and he turned onto 13 mile out of school. Right. But I live left. And so he was like, Oh, I just need to go home and grab something. And that's how it all started with him not taking me home from school, me being very naive and uh, really stupid, actually. So. And well, no, uh, but I understand how you, you feel that way. But it's, it's uh, we, we talked about this even before we got started, which is part of the reason why I want to talk about this was not only did it happen, but it was at a time frame in our lives of our generation where you yeah. just shut up about everything. Absolutely. So I can beat myself about some of the decisions I made, but you, your toolbox is so low. You don't have oh, yeah. it. There was and no such thing as date rape. There was no, no like prosecuting and I mean, no. bullying, all of that. There was nothing like that then. No. Nothing. And, and, and also going to you not being the richest part of the intrigue was also, he pulls up to this house. Oh Yeah. And you're like, this is 10 times bigger than even my house. And I thought my house was big. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. all of that was set up for for yeah. some tragedy that we're going to talk about. But understand where your mindset was at yeah. that age, you know. Yeah. Um, most definitely. So uh, um, and the other thing I want to talk about, you were drugged on that first day mm-hmm. yeah. with him. And yeah. that's another thing that wasn't, now you can talk about, yeah. you know, be careful not to have your drink spiked and look out for right. your bartenders and all that stuff is now available, still happens, unfortunately. Right. But that's a common um, safety measure that a lot of yes. us women talk about at the bar. Right. That was nothing Mm-mm. that any of us knew about. So the feeling, yeah. can you walk me through on like when you knew you started to feel woozy or what was going yeah. on? Yeah. So he invited me in the house and, you know, at the time I was like, no, 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 I shouldn't do this. And, you know, again, just mesmerized by this guy. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I just want to get to know you. And again, thinking, you know, the best in everybody, it's like, it's okay. And so I went in and he showed me around the house. Um, He just said, you know, let me show you my room. And then gave me, he had like a little mini fridge in his room, which I kind of thought was weird, but eh, gave me a pop and sat on the bed. And, you know, he just started talking to me, started kissing. And then I felt really woozy, like really, really dizzy and uh, wasn't able to really like as long as the room was spinning oh. around and around. Yeah. He kept like, you know, coming on to me and I kept saying, no, 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 pushing him off and didn't really have much control. And so, you know, that led to me getting raped that day. 
And how long were you there? And I'm asking because like, I don't know the length and strength of these drugs. So yeah. were you coming to in a couple of hours or were you? I don't think that it was a few hours. So it's hard to, to remember, right. but I would think it was at least an hour. Yeah. I think that it was at least an hour because then I remember starting to hear voices and people downstairs and like freaking out, you know, and then he ended up like sneaking me out of the house basically and taking me back home. Okay. So you go back home, not knowing how to feel for a variety of reasons. You're 15 and this horrific situation just occurred and your mind is spinning. The next day you were handed an envelope. Right. Yep. And it was full of pictures um, that they, that he had taken, not he had taken, but I found out later his two cousins who went to school with us had taken while this was happening. And they said, um, he's like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't know this was going to happen, but they want you to earn them back. And I was so naive again. I was like, you know what I mean? Like do their homework, wash their car. I didn't know what he meant. Right. And yeah, really like, and he said, you know, they know where your dad works. They know, you know, the address of his office. Um, they're going to show them to his boss. They're going to post them around school. They're going to show them to the priest. I was in the, the youth choir at church. And so I was like, whoa, 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 there's no way. So I basically agreed to do whatever, but I had no idea like really what they meant. And so just to repeat that, earning back meant to get those photos back in your possession and not be Mm -hmm. used against you. You were going to do whatever they said. And, and you do have a father that, um, I don't know your full relationship, but he's a high Mm -hmm. level executive. High level. Yes. And you just knew your world would crash. Absolutely. Yeah. And your brother's your safety. I mean, when you talk about, you know, oh, I, I was being dumb. That is the most heart wrenching part where Mm -hmm. you felt so threatened and there should be nothing in that, that storyline that you should look back and say, I would have, should have, could have, because what Mm -hmm. you were doing was saving everyone else. I was protecting them. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I've come to terms with that. Like, you know, I don't know if I had, if I was stuck in that kind of a situation again, like would I make the same mistake, but I do the same thing. And I can't see how I would have changed that. I would have wanted people around me to help me, but like, I, I probably would have made the same decision. I don't know. It's one of those things. And and that's where I also want to explore it too, because as much as we've progressed, that storyline is still very, very familiar it's with very, young girls, yeah, which is absolutely. where your advocacy comes in. I want to talk yeah. about, but so when you say, you know, what I've done it differently, it's still so hard for women to mm-hmm. uh, get themselves out of those situations because yeah. um, it, there's so much shame and, and things like that involved. Exactly. So now you're, you're stuck in a cycle mm-hmm. yeah. and it proceeds to be where you are having to leave in the middle of the night yep, and meet in a street corner in the neighborhood mm-hmm. yep, and be picked up for yep. other services with, with people. Correct. Yeah. They would call my, I had a private, we had a kid's line and a parent's line. Oh, you were fancy. Oh, we were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had called yeah. waiting. That was about it. Oh uh, gosh. No, they got tired of all of our phone calls. So they like, okay. So they would call and around, usually around midnight and say, you know, meet, you know, meet me outside. And so I would sneak out my back door, go through the neighbor's uh, backyard and wait, you know, in our cul-de-sac for 
that that Trans Am, and then they would you must take hate me. that car. Yeah, I do actually. Um, and I would go places that I I had no idea where I was. So it's not yeah. like I didn't we didn't go to hotels, and we were like all around, you know Rochester Hills, Farmington Hills, like you know I never knew where I was. So and end up being there for several hours, um, being abused and just horrific things happening, and then taken home around three or four. And I'd sneak back inside and go to sleep and then go to school the next day. And so your grades, everything, must have, <sighs> your everything Gosh. about you had to continually shrink. Yes. You know, your voice, your school, your yep. academics. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, uh, just that feeling of nobody's not, I don't say on my side, but nobody's there for me. Like wanting that, you know, knight in shining armor to come and rescue me. I remember one time, um, the cousins, I'll call them, I didn't answer the phone one night and they came up to me that nobody was in the hall, except for there was a security guard and, um, sitting on a stool and they came up and shoved me against the locker and spit in my face and were like, don't ever not answer again. And the security guard did nothing. Like he, he saw everything and didn't do anything. And I'm like, wow, like I really am on my own on this. Teresa, I didn't know that. And that goes to where my mind was, even in the Ted talk was like, who's protecting her? Who's her friend? That's her confidant. But yeah. my gosh, mm-hmm. that just adds a layer of like, you were alone. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, do you remember in, um, in my book, there's um, something that happened where I was starting to go into my last class of the day, which was typing. And the cousins came again and said, hey, you know, we need to speak to you. And the bell's about ready to ring. The teacher's standing there with, you know, outside the door. And she's like, come on, Teresa, get in class. And they're like, she'll be there when we're finished with her. And she was like. Oh, okay. And she went in and she shut the door and she left me out there with them. And I was like, wow, like just again, another, I don't want to say betrayal, but just let down of, you know, here she could have stuck up for me and not, nope. It was silent back then. It was. It really was. It yeah. really, really was. And yeah. um, I was sharing with actually my editor for this podcast that I was going to be speaking to you. And he goes, oh yeah, that, that, this happened at our school too. I, I'm just. Wow. I'm blowing away on how this is under everybody's nose. It's it's just, anyway. I think in in the affluent areas. Yes. They ran the show. It's even worse because nobody, because of the shame is even higher. No one's talking about it. So I think there's what, just tons of cases like mine, you know, in that whole area of Detroit, suburban Detroit. Uh, Absolutely. And that's why I said, it's like, I remember some of my podcasts, I talked about my mom always wanting me to find some executive from the, you know, motor, from um, one of the big three and Uh all of that. And the friends that I did have whose parents Uh were part of that community, I don't want to throw anybody into the bus, but there was definitely affairs were part of the contract, right? Yeah. So you would get that lifestyle and that's just comes with the territory if they're, yeah. you know, in Japan. And I think my dad went to a hot bathhouse more times than he <laughs> wants to admit, but you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Money, the smoo- the money talks. The customers and the yes. late night, you know, the martini lunches and the affairs. It's not just Hollywood. That was, it's that was, no, my family, it was exactly the same thing too. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and I want to get, want to get to them, but um, so when you were, Having these, and they do increase, and I do want to talk about the Detroit event because that mm-hmm. one is the one mm-hmm. I'm probably yeah. going to start crying. 
But um, how did you hide physically what was happening to you? <clears throat> Good question. It really wasn't hard. Oh. Be- I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It wasn't hard. You know, you wear a long sleeve. They they were very meticulous about like any kind of abuse would be in places that people wouldn't see. Um, and really they didn't need to do too much to me physically because I was so scared. Like I yeah. was terrified, you know, my, the phone would ring and there'd be nobody on the other end. And I knew it was them, um, you know, walking home with my brother from school. Cause he was in ninth grade when I was there and them stopping, you know, a car and saying things. And I mean, and I worked at Burger King there on Southfield and 13 Mile and they would come in. So they really mm-hmm. didn't have to physically hurt me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mind games as much. as Oh, yeah. Is. Great. Yeah. Like, terrorist activity. Yeah. Types. Okay. So this is super personal. That's okay. It just came to me. So I wasn't even planning yeah. on this. But like, you know, we all have our time of the month and things yeah. like that. I mean, were you able to get out of those situations based on I was okay yeah yeah I don't know why that <laughs> was God. coming across no yeah that's a good like, yeah yeah I was always able to, oh sorry I'm a period you know right and, can't participate um, in gym yeah. class yeah. yeah so I mean that that got you know I got away with it a few times but okay yeah and it wasn't every day either like it was several times a week okay um and then I remember the first after the well, the first summer they, um, they weren't around. And so they had gone, you know, to another country. And so I had, you probably thought it was over at that point. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then they came back and, you know, what is it? Junior year starts and it starts all back over again. So, yeah. So the, the height of the worst story only because it's shared on TED Talk, but I don't sure. know if there's one even worse than what you nope, shared. that's the worst one. <laughs> okay. was also your movement to create a soap project. So yeah. this had been going on for how long before there was an incident that was the straw that just, you know, broke you and made you want to create change with what was happening? Were, you was mean, a couple, far- like, were you, were you a year and a half in it at this point or? I think so. Yeah. It's hard. The timeline is super hard. Well, you're um, blocking so much of yeah. this trauma. Yeah. But I think it was about a year and a half in. Yeah. It was towards the end. Okay. And in this particular incident, um, and again, you have to go back to this TED talk. Teresa does I don't know how she finds the strength, but she does an excellent job of sharing her story. But this particular event was to a CDS hotel Mm -hmm. in Detroit. And I love the way you described it. You said it was an L shape, which we've all been there with the doors on the outside. Mm -hmm. And it's probably rented by the hour. And would you say this was the first time that you were put in in that type of environment? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Never been to a, a motel in my life. So, and they began to auction you off. Yeah. It was 20 men about in that little tiny motel room where, you know, just crowded, crowded in there. And I was the only, the only girl, you know, only female. I was 17, I think. And yeah, they were like, you know, everybody worked for them in some capacity and said, this is, you know, something that we're offering to you all is a thank you for your hard work and the auctioning started. And, and I was drugged at that time too. Usually, you know, I was very fortunate. There weren't a lot of drugging of me. So that was good um, because I, you know, now that's more common. Um, But that night I was drugged and yeah, it was. And also beaten. Yeah. I mean, just, they, they get to do whatever they want. So they own you. And you talk about 
the time period, because we talk about, you know, um, cell phones and maps right. and things at that time, you were without clothing, I believe you right. said, or, yeah, and, yeah. and you don't know where you are. There's no, no. GPS. There's no, no. Uh, so how did you get out of that situation ultimately? Um, so I found my pajamas cause I had, oh, I'm snuck out of my house in my pajamas as I usually did. Because I think like, I'm thinking, well, if my parents see me at home coming in or going out, like they're going to be like, oh, I was just up for a drop of the water, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was in, I found my pajamas. They were in the bathtub of the hotel, of the motel and put, then they were soaking wet. Like, so I put on these wet pajamas. I didn't have any shoes on because I had snuck out without shoes and I didn't have any identification on me. I didn't have any money on me. And like you said, I didn't know where I was. And, and after going through something so traumatic as that too, I was like, what am I going to do? You know? And you're a white woman in a downtown area. Yeah. I, I think like, cause I've done a lot of work in that, in those areas now, I think it's like, probably it was like Redford township or something. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, I noticed there was a little, uh, diner attached to the hotel, the motel. Mm -hmm. And I always, always a there. 24 by seven diner. Absolutely. Walked in, yeah. you know, I mean, so typical, like the orange vinyl, you know, waiting room with the, in there and then the payphone, And, um, and I just stood there like, I didn't even like, do I call my parents, but then they'll know I'm not home. And I just, you know, I, so the waitress that was there noticed me and she's like, can I help you? And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> it was like, what am I going to say? And so then I asked her, like, can I have a dime? Because I was going to try and call my parents. And because I really was stuck. And so I put the dime in that tells you how long ago. I know. Home, I right? was like a dime. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dime. And um, I hear my dad, like, pick up the phone and he's sound asleep. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I hung it up. I just <gasps> couldn't disappoint them. I, I couldn't. Like, I don't know. And there's I, no caller ID. No, mm -mm, it's a payphone. So then I hung Teresa. it up and I, oh my God, I still feel that feeling of like, I can't disappoint them. Like I can't. And so I stood there and then she, um, at the waitress called the police and they brought me home that morning. So, um, so regardless, now, they still, you know, Found did out, they, but... did parents see the police car drop you off or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He came in. So yeah. I, when we pulled up, I remember thinking like, I'm just going to say like, Oh, thank you. Nice. Mr. Policeman. And I'm going to yeah. go around the back of the house where the sliding glass door is still open and I'm going to sneak back in and everything will be okay. Um, but he stuck around and my parents answered the door and their robes and they were not happy. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Class Reunion with Teresa Wilson-Flores. We hope you'll join us as we continue her story next Wednesday. Thank you.